Welcome to the podcast for Church of the Nazarene. We invite you to subscribe to this podcast for the latest updates and new episodes. You can also search for our podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcast, and TuneIn. Make sure to join us each Sunday at 9 on Facebook Live. Our in-person service times are 9 and 10.30 a.m. in English and 11.45 in Spanish. Also, Celebrate Recovery meets each Monday night at 6.30. Hey, this morning, I want you to uh, pause and do something with me. I'm going to ask you a question, and I don't want this to be hypothetical. So I don't, I don't want you to blurt it out loud. But I do want you to think with me how you would really answer this question. I want you to think about this morning, what's the most important thing any one person has ever done for you? And I say that, I, again, I, I want you to be, for, for a minute, fight against any tiredness or j- just for a minute, dig in with me. And I want you to actually think in your mind. I want you to articulate. I want you to pinpoint a moment. Maybe it was a moment recently. Maybe it was a moment years ago, early in your life, as a child. But I want you to think about the most important thing anyone has ever done for you. Hold it there. Don't lose it. Got it? I I was thinking uh, this week, we'll we'll come back to that thought in just a minute. I was thinking this week, uh, I I went to college at Eastern Nazarene College uh, to prepare to be a pastor and prepare for ministry. And we had chapel a couple times a week there. It was a a Christian and Nazarene school. And so we had chapel a few times a week. And in my sophomore year, we got a brand new chaplain. And his job, of course, was to help shape and guide these two to three chapels that we would have a week where the whole campus would come together for about an hour of worship and and hearing the word. And I I became really good friends with him and his family over the years. Uh, But but truthfully, he, he was not the most dynamic speaker uh, he was not the most incredible, oh, wait till you hear him. That wasn't true. But the thing I remember about him was the statement he made, and I'm seriously, like a hundred times. <laughs> I, I, I'm not exaggerating. Probably a hundred times. And one of the first chapels he got up, and again, he delivered a message, and it was good. Um, but he used the statement. And, and then I, I learned very quickly as a sophomore, this was going to be a statement that we heard over and over again. In fact, he would get up at the beginning of chapel, and before it would begin, he would invite us to stand and repeat after me. And before we would end the chapel, he would say, repeat after me. And soon we didn't have to repeat it. We knew it by heart. This was the phrase, this was the statement that he made hundreds of times throughout my college career. It says this, because we believe the worship of God compels us to acts of love and service, we are people of action. Literally, I'm telling you, not a chapel would go by where he wouldn't say, stand to your feet, and we would all stand, and he would say, repeat after me, because we believe, and we would say, because we believe. The worship of God, worship of God, compels us to acts of love and service, we would repeat after him, we are people of action, and it became uh, such a habit, it became something that we knew that later in the semester, somebody would give up and give a great message and, and a closing time of worship, and it would be time for him to have the benediction, and he would grab the microphone, and he would look at all of us in the eye, and he would just simply say, because we believe the worship of God compels us to acts of love of service, we are people of action. And then he would like, that was like the mic drop before the mic drop existed. It was like he put the mic down and just walk away and we were like, all right, I guess chapels. Like that became a phrase that was ingrained in our minds and in our hearts because you see more than anything else, he wanted us to know good theology, sound biblical teaching, but he wanted us to know that worshiping God means responding in action. 
It results in action. Our worship of God, our love for him, it causes us, it compels us to act. So this morning, think about that memory you have. Think about that memory of someone else's action. Now imagine, what if they hadn't done it? Whatever that is, whatever the most meaningful thing, important thing anyone's ever done for you. Now, now imagine, what if they hadn't done it? What if they just thought about it and they never actually followed through? Today, today, our journey of James continues. We started down a very intentional road uh, back in September in a road that has led us to where we are today. Today's a really exciting day because today we arrive at the end of James chapter one. Can you believe it? Uh, you thought we would never make it, but here we are. Uh, but this has been a really rich uh, time for us to not just examine the words in scripture that we like, because I, I, I'm all about that. I, I like that. But instead to go really verse by verse and passage through passage in the book of James and to be challenged. Last week we were challenged about this idea of anger, a, a word, a topic I probably would have wanted to glance over, but we can't because we're journeying through James. And so today, today's challenge uh, is for us. Today is no different. Uh, this morning's text that we're going to dive into in just a minute, it begs a question of us. And the question is this, what's the biggest difference today between the life you know God wants for you and the life you're living right now? What's the biggest difference between, between the life that God desires for you and the life that you're living right now? To put it more simply, does what you do reflect what God says? As we've done throughout the series, uh, I'm going to invite you to turn with me, James chapter 1, if you have it in your copy of Scripture, if you have it on your YouVersion Bible app, would you actually turn there for a few minutes? I just think there's value in opening the Word together, and I'm going to invite you, if you would, would you stand to your feet? Uh, in, in, throughout the series, we're just changing our posture a little bit. Um, we don't have to stand when we read the Word, but sometimes I think that's a beautiful way uh, to, to change our posture in response to God's Word. So we're going to be reading today verses 22 through 27 as we close out James chapter 1 today. We believe this is the word of the Lord for us today. James 1, 22. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Do what it says. If you have your copy of scripture, I would love for you to underline a simple word, a simple word that it would be easy to go beyond. Do this. Everything that we're going to read the rest of this morning, everything we're going to focus on the rest of this passage is about that idea. Do what it says. Anyone, anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in the mirror and after looking at himself, he goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but there it is again, doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. And then these last couple of verses are examples, practical. What does this look like? Verse 26, those who consider themselves religious, and yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongues, deceive themselves, and their religion is worthless. Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless as this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress, and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. Would you pray with me today? God, um, we pray today for courage, for the courage not just to listen 
to the word, but to do what it says, to take action, to be men and women, people of action. And so we pray through the power of your spirit, you would give us courage today. Thank you. There's hope in the room today. There's good news being proclaimed today. Something happens when we gather together corporately, not just to hear the word individually, but corporately, Lord. We believe stuff happens. And so thanks that we get to be in the room today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Before you sit down, turn to your neighbor and say, do what it says, do what it says. That's right. You can be a little bit sassy. It's okay. Because you're not saying it. James 1 is saying it. Do what it says, right? Have a seat. Have a seat. Some of you, parents, you took a lot of joy in that. Do what it says, kids. Do what it says. That's it. Some of you got blessed enough. You can leave now. That was good. All right. Remember, what's the overarching theme of this text, right? It's about obedience. It's about more than just hearing. And so, and so, I want to look at this concept presented in James chapter 1 that requires a lot of honesty. It's, it's this concept of self-deception. We see it right there. We see it right there. Uh, this idea that whose religion, what do people whose religion is worthless do? Well, they deceive themselves. It's one thing in life, right, to be deceived, that happens to us sometimes. We're deceived. We thought one thing that wasn't true. But it's another thing altogether, isn't it? To deceive ourselves. But the, you, you know the difference, right? You know the difference. It's one thing to be deceived by the Krispy Kreme donut, right? It's one thing to be deceived. Mmm, it smells so good. And the hot light is on. And I only have to buy seven more dozen to get a free donut. Blast you, Krispy Kreme, you had me at hello, right? It's one thing to be deceived, but it's another thing. It's another thing to know this donut is not good for me. It is not producing good things in me, right? right? And maybe, maybe you're needing to make some healthier choices out of, out of choice or necessity. And even though you, you shouldn't have one, you know you shouldn't. The drive-thru is on your way to work, and breakfast is the most important meal of the day, and what happens, right? I'm stepping on some toes here. I promise you, I have nothing against Krispy Kreme, quite literally. Nothing against Krispy Kreme donuts. But isn't this just one example of the hundreds of ways that we deceive ourselves all the time? We deceive ourselves all the time. We struggle. This is what we struggle to do, right? We struggle with aligning our actions with our values, what are some other ways, right? We say, we say, I don't have enough time. I never have enough time. I'm so busy and we're stressed out, but we keep scrolling Instagram, don't we? We deceive ourselves. We say, we say we're exhausted. Oh, I'm so tired. I never get enough sleep, but we just keep watching the next episode on Netflix because in 20 seconds, it just starts playing all on its own, right? We say, we know our relationships with our kids are not as strong as we want them to be, but we don't make the change in our priorities to be more intentional. I could keep going. It's painful though, isn't it? Because we live in a world filled with self-deception, filled with people just like you and me, time after time. What do we do? We, we deceive ourselves, don't we? We don't align our actions with our values. Self-deception is an art form, one that, that a lot of us are really good at, quite honestly. And James 1 was written for you and me. It was written for you and me, written for people just like you and me. But the good news is James wants to help us. He wants to help us right now. What does it say? Verse 22, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Stop the self-deception. Stop. 
Stop in a world filled with self-deception. Don't do it any longer. Don't just merely listen to the word. Do what it says. What's the source of self-deception? Listen, listen. It's not a lack of information. It's not a lack of knowledge. The source of self-deception is a lack of action. All of the information is there. All the knowledge is there. And oftentimes, even as believers, we convince ourselves, I just need more knowledge and more information, but we've never had more information or knowledge than we have today. But yet we deceive ourselves when we don't act upon what the word says. And then James uses this analogy of a mirror, right? This analogy of a mirror to serve as a visual for self deception, a visual. And and so I want you to help me. The mirror that you and I would typically use today is not like the mirror that they would have uh, way way back when. But I want you to think a little bit about this idea of the analogy. I want you to think about the one who takes a a quick glance in the mirror, but doesn't do anything about it. I I want you to think about that. The, The one who knows they have the information that they need, but they don't do anything about it. They don't act. This seems silly, right? It would be the equivalent of looking in the mirror this morning and your hair is going everywhere. You've got stuff on your teeth and you kind of look and you're like, eh, and you just go anyway. Like you, you just, I don't know who that is. Like, good for you. If you just are like that, like, eh, this is as good as it's going to get, right? But that's an example that James gives because it's pretty ridiculous to us. Like who's going to look at the mirror and, and see something and then be like, nah. And just walk away forgetting what they've seen, not acting upon it. That's foolishness, right? Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. But what about the one represented here? I was thinking about this person. What about the one who who forgets? It's not that they have a poor memory. It's not that they look in the mirror and then they just forget. What did I see? What did I do? No, no, no. This person, I think this is important because this person... It's not that they don't remember, it's just that they don't regard it as important. Here's an example from my life, right? In a season of chaos and confusion, a lot happening around me, I know. What do I know? I know I need to draw close to God. I know I need to make him a priority in my life. What does his word say? I know that God's word says, again, I have the information, right? I have the knowledge. I know his word says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. I know his word says, seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. But while I know this, I don't. I don't spend the time seeking him in prayer. I don't spend the time with other godly believers. Is this because I forgot? I forgot? I have poor memory? Oh, I didn't know God's word said that. No. It's because I've, I've allowed other priorities to come in and crowd out, drown out what's most important. James says, you are deceiving yourselves. If you look into the word, the truth, and you don't make it the priority in your life. Your religion is worthless. Do not merely listen to the word. Do what it says. Do what it says. Then in in verse 25, we see this idea, but whoever looks into the law, right? Uh, This idea of a mirror, right? But whoever looks intently, right? And they continue in it, not just a one-time thing, not a one-time glance, not a drive-by, but they continue in it. Not forgetting what they've heard, but doing it. There's that word again, right? So simple. Doing it. Look at what it says in verse 25. They will be blessed in what they do. James is speaking here of 
blessing, living in active obedience to the word. It brings blessing in our lives. I want to pause here for this theological point. It's really important, okay? We are not saved by doing. We are not saved by our works. We are saved by faith. The Bible is clear that our salvation, your salvation from sin has nothing to do with the works that you do. It has everything to do with what Christ has done for us and putting faith in him. So in the same way, we are not saved by works. We don't treat God like this giant vending machine. Like if I just do the things, if I just follow enough things here, he's going to spit out the blessing that I want. That's not who God is. We act What we respond, we do because we love. We don't act to somehow earn something from God. But make no mistake in verse 25, James says, as we continue to act, as we continue to do, as we continue to obey, there is blessing. There is blessing in living our lives that way. We get to experience God's best when we live that way. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. There's blessing in living that way. Finally, in this section, we see some practical application because if I'm you and I'm thinking through the scripture, I'm thinking, how how do I make this practical in my life? So what does it say? Those who consider themselves religious and do not keep a tight rein on their tongues, they deceive themselves. There it is again, right? This self-deception. We're not deceived maybe by the enemy or by these things out here. No, no, we're deceiving ourselves. Why? It says we deceive ourselves. The religion is worthless. These are strong words that your words, my words matter. If we claim to be in Christ and we continue to speak and say whatever we want, whatever we feel like, whatever just flows out of the mouth, right? If his word doesn't have an impact on your words, you're deceiving yourself. And your religion is worthless. That's what James says. Ouch, ouch. And then he contrasts it with this. Religion, you'll you'll see it there, verse 27. Religion that God our Father accepts is pure and faultless. Not worthless religion, right? This is the opposite end. This is the good stuff. This is what God desires. So, So religion that God our Father accepts is pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. So Religion that God our Father accepts is a function of action, loving the desperate, walking in holiness. This is not an exhaustive list. We know that. We know James could list a lot more things here, but it does highlight a couple specific things. Orphans and widows are specific groups of people that had no means of providing for themselves. And we see that some today in our context, but especially, especially in the times in which James is writing, they had no means, they had no rights, they had no privileges. Basically, widows and orphans are repeatedly mentioned throughout Scripture, the Old Testament and the New, as those who deserve compassion and care and even, even justice because this is true faith. That's what James is saying. This is true obedience caring for those that others ignore, caring for those that others would look past. This is what it means to do in response to the word. And, and what does he say? Walking in holiness. That's this idea of keeping oneself from being polluted by the world. Part of walking in obedience. Part of being people of action is pursuing a life filled with his spirit. Filled with more and more and more of him. We don't claim to be in Christ and then live according to the standards of the world around us. We want to be fully his. That's what it means. To not be deceived, to not deceive ourselves. Do not merely listen to the word. 
and deceive yourselves. Do what it says. And James says, this is what it looks like. So today, church, how is your action if if this passage in James 1 is ultimately about do, 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 doing, responding, obeying today, how is your action? Jesus said, right? Jesus himself said, if you love me, keep my commandments. Anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. You know what Jesus didn't say? Anyone who loves me will know about my teaching. Anyone who loves me will listen and listen and listen about my teaching. Anyone who loves me will sing about my teaching. No, no, no. Ultimately, he said it comes down to obedience. If you love me, Jesus said, do what it says. <laughs> do what it says. Obey what I've taught you. So today, church, how is your action? James is speaking to believers, right? That that's what James, we remember the context is he's writing to men and women who, who have claimed the way of Christ. And now they're following, they're seeking after him. And so he's writing to believers and he's saying, hey, believers in Christ, don't deceive yourselves any longer. Listening to the word is not enough. Reading the word, I love that, but it's, it's still not enough. Talking about the word, man, that's really cool, isn't it? But that's not enough. God's religion, unlike some of man's religion, right? But God's religion is about living a faith that does, a faith that honors God and impacts others around us. The story of God is a story of action. It's a story of incredible faith, but incredible action. Think about it. If we view, and we should, we should always view the lens of Scripture through the story of God. James 1 is not just this isolated thing happening over here. It's connected to the entire story of God. And if you were to take a, a bird's eye view of this story from the very beginning to the very end, you see men and women of action. I wrote down just a couple examples. I was thinking at the very beginning, towards the beginning, there's this guy, Abraham. Actually, his name was Abram, and the name change kind of happened as he obeyed. But, but anyway, Abraham, you, you know what we know about Abraham? He acted. Now, he believed, and he had faith, and he read, and he knew, and he listened, but, but ultimately, what we know about Abraham, the reason he's written in Hebrews 11, this hall of faith, not a hall of fame, a hall of faith, the reason we remember Abraham is so significant is because he, he acted. He responded he obeyed. God said to Abraham, Abraham, I want to bless the world, all the nations. I want to bless through you. Leave your native land. Leave everything that you know. Leave your father's family and go to the land that I will show you. And Abraham acts. He obeys. He responds. Moses, right? Moses, he's in the wilderness. There's a burning bush. God's speaking through the bush. God's saying, hey, you, I know that you're a murderer and you're a failure and you're out here in the desert wandering, trying to hide, but I want to use you to rescue my people. And in that moment, Moses has a choice, doesn't he? I can do what God says. I can trust him and obey or I cannot. The reason we know who Moses is and the reason that the people of God are ultimately rescued from slavery is because Moses acted, right? He responded. 
This is a story of action. I was thinking about Esther. Maybe we forget about her story, right? Esther's story is incredible because, because she chose to act in response. She didn't have to. She was the queen, and she could have just stood in her place. Know your role. Be quiet. You're not to speak up. But she risked her life for the sake of her people. She saved her people from genocide because she acted. She responded. So many more throughout this story. So many more, Noah and Joseph and Joshua and Isaiah, men and women of God who acted and responded in obedience. The story of God is the story of action. And then comes Jesus. Now I fast forwarding through a lot of the story, okay? A lot of the story. But then comes Jesus. And as the band comes, I want to talk to you about the action of Jesus, the obedience of Jesus. Because the beautiful thing about this story that we see, we see everything happening in this part of the story pointing to the promise of a savior. And then we get to see the fulfillment of that. And then we get to see everything happening after the fulfillment of that. But consider for a moment, Jesus, Jesus. Well, the promise of Jesus, right? right? Mary, oh, Mary, you're going to be the mother of the Son of God. Joseph, hey, it's not your baby. It's the Holy Spirit's baby. You can trust the Lord. And they had to act, right? They had to respond in obedience. But in Jesus, the Son of God, the Savior of the world. Listen, Jesus didn't just come to talk about who God is. That's important. Jesus didn't just come to tell us about who God was. He came to show us through his action. This is God. He didn't just come to talk about God's love for us. He came to show us this is God's love. This is how God's love, literally by laying down his life, dying on a cross, he acted, he responded. He didn't just teach and he didn't just talk and he didn't just, right? All those things are important, but ultimately his mission was to act, to respond to obey, to show us extravagant love. And then, and then the cool thing about this story is we get to read everything else that comes after that. Because everything else that comes after that, including James, right? What is James doing? James wasn't even a believer. He was just the brother of Jesus, kind of in the shadows, kind of the skeptic back here saying, oh boy, here, here we go again. But something happened in James's life. And something happened in the lives of other believers as they saw Jesus crucified and left for dead and left in the tomb. But he rose again, conquering death, and he ascended back into heaven. And something happened in their mind. Something happened in their lives, and they were transformed. And suddenly, suddenly, it wasn't just that they had this hunger to know the word of God. They did. They would gather together, right? And they would gather around the teaching of the Old Testament and the stories of Jesus, right? They wanted to hear. They wanted to know. But, but the reason that the church is born as the Spirit of God descends on men and women, the reason that the church explodes and a movement of God happens is because they acted, they responded, they obeyed what the Spirit of God was telling them to do. They didn't just want to listen. They didn't want to just be spectators on the sideline. This is a gospel. This is a story. God's story is a story of action. 
And the reason we're here today, and the reason we can look back on all of this happening in the New Testament, including James's words right here in James 1, is because of men and women who did not just listen to the word. They did it. They acted. They responded. They obeyed. So today, how is your action? How's your action? Because we believe, because we believe the worship of God compels us to acts of love and service, we are people of action. Because we believe the worship of God compels us, it moves us beyond just listening. It moves us beyond just hearing. It compels us to acts of love and service. We are people of action. So today, how's your action? How's your action? Church family, would you stand to your feet this morning as we respond? Would you stand to your feet in just a minute as we sing? Would you stand as in just a minute we pray? In just a minute we ask the Lord to search our hearts and, and Lord examine the places where I'm not obeying you. I'm not doing what it says. The places where I'm deceiving myself. So I'm gonna invite you church family. Would you, would you close your eyes for a minute? Would you spend a minute pausing everything else happening around you? and focusing perhaps on that one question today. How's your action? Today, we're gonna respond in action. We get the privilege in just a minute. We have communion set up around the auditorium. And you are invited to respond today and come to the table. You don't have to be a member of this church. Instead, you just have to have a desire to be in right relationship, a desire to say, God, I don't want to just listen. I want to obey. I don't want to just be a spectator. I want to be a participant. And if that's you today, then communion is an incredible response because what does communion do? We remember on the night Jesus was betrayed, on the night he would go to the cross, he would lay down his life, the ultimate action, the ultimate obedience. He took the bread and he broke the bread and he looked at his disciples and he said, take this and eat and as often as you do, remember me. And he took the cup, the cup which would represent his blood poured out. The bread was his body broken and the cup was his blood poured out. And Jesus said, take this cup and drink from it. And as you do, remember me, remember me. So today, church family, we're gonna act and we're gonna respond by coming to the table. And as we do, we're gonna remember that Jesus, he acted. He didn't just listen to the Father, he did what the Father said. And in doing so, we are people of action. Lord, today, all are invited to the table the most broken person in the room is invited to the table. The, the most helpless, they feel hopeless today, they're invited to the table. The youngest and the, the oldest, they're invited to the table because you're a God of action. A God who didn't just say from a distance, I love you. He showed up and he laid down his life for us. And we want to remember that. But Lord, it, we don't wanna just remember, we, we wanna act upon it. And so today, this is, a, this is a time of action. 
for those that feel compelled in a moment as they come forward, I pray the cry of their heart would be, oh Lord, I don't want to deceive myself any longer. I want, I want to do what you say. I want to respond how you want me to respond. I want to be, I want to be a person, people of action. Thank you. Thank you that Jesus loved me by acting, by responding in obedience. Thank you so much for listening today. You can email us at info at for any questions about our church. When you're done listening, please subscribe to this channel for the latest updates and new episodes.